Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. podcast episode 133 hey i'm your host jacob Ayers, and today our guest is matt faircloth matt first joined us way back on episode 42 where we got to know matt who is the president and co-founder of the derosa group which is a developer and owner of commercial and residential properties with a mission to transform lives to real estate well matt's a really fun and relatable guy and he recently authored a book called raising private capital. So that's what we're going to be discussing with Matt today, raising private capital, how to build your real estate empire with other people's money. Matt's a really fun guy. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. All right, today I welcome on the show, Matt Faircloth. Matt, hey, thanks so much for joining us again. You are you are welcome. Thank you, Jacob, for having me here. It's an honor to be here again. Yeah, yeah, it's our pleasure. Well, hey, Matt, for the audience members who hadn't maybe listened to your very first episode on, I believe it was episode 42, could you run us through a little bit about your background, how you got started investing in real estate and kind of your journey up to this point? Sure, no problem. I, well, I you know, went to college and had a typical uh, day job as a traveling salesman. Um, you know, read Rich Dad Poor Dad, as many many other investors do, to get started, and it you know blew my blew my skull out, and you know, and <laughs> just completely transformed me really as as a book, and um, and I decided you know, I, I got to do something different, and so I started I did a house hack, which is what you know, it's like I, I lived in one bedroom and rented out the other two, which I highly recommend anybody who's getting started in real estate does a house hack, whether they rent out bedrooms in a home that they buy or buy them a small multi or whatever it is. Um, and so I bought a three bedroom, one bath house, rented out one bedroom, rented out or lived in one bedroom, rented out the other two to a couple of my buddies. And, um, and, and, you know, it's two friends of mine got to live with, I would have probably lived with them somewhere else, you know, but now I own the, I was the landlord and they were each paying me 500 bucks a month. And I lived there for free. You know, I, I made $60 a month off of, uh, in, in rent roll but also got free housing out of the gig. So it was phenomenal. It really was. Um, and that turned my ears to the power of real estate. It just turned my head to it. and was like, this, this is amazing. And I need to do more of this. And so uh, within two years, I quit my job and was doing, was investing full time. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, you know, got, got started with that very first house hacking deal, such an easy way for those people who are maybe haven't got their first deal under the belt, go out there, get that low down payment, kind of get your feet wet in it and, you know, kind of learn the ropes as you go. Such a brilliant strategy and, uh, yeah, great stuff there. So, um, you know, you're on to bigger and better things these days or bigger things that is. So, you know, kind of walk us through what's uh, on your plate these days. Well, we, uh, now we're doing a lot of, um, placing of investments into projects that I'm involved in. And so 
um, that right now that looks like putting people alongside us into fix and flips as a lender or as a joint venture partner, meaning they get a small rate of return on their money, but then they get a, um, a percentage of the profit too. That's called a joint venture. Um, so we do that. We do, just like I said, straight loans. And then we also buy do equity deals where we'll go and put investors together and buy an apartment building or, or buy something that's a, that's a large cash flowing asset, right? Um, and so we do things like that. But that's just, those are the pieces of the puzzle that the market is receptive to right now. Right now, it's a, high, it's a good time to fix and flip. Um, it's a good time to buy apartment buildings still. You can find the right deal, but it's a good time to buy apartment buildings. And so we uh, learned have learned that space really well. And so people that want to invest with us, that's where we direct their, their, uh, their investments alongside us because we want to make our investors great rates of return. And, and we, that's, what we, that's what we're up to. Yeah, awesome. And that's something I want to dive into today is kind of making that transition from, you know, taking down these deals by yourself, you know, that first house hack deal. And then I know you did mm -hmm. some, you know, smaller deals after that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, you turned the corner by starting to raise private money. So, uh, you know, can you walk us through that transition? And what's that process look like for those people who are, you know, maybe thinking about starting to raise capital from other investors? Sure. Well, I believe that there's there's folks out there that'll tell you that you can do this with you know none of your own money and no experience and you know first deal and and all that. I I, I hey I don't believe that and I believe that some of the folks that are out there saying that are saying that so that they can sell you a course uh, <laughs> or get you to get like clickbait or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, so I think that, that really what you need to do, which is what we did, we spent uh, years developing a track record and years developing a, like a network, a track record, um, developing expertise in the business. And not that you got to be, you know, you know, Sam Zell or like the, the primo real estate guy before you absolutely, before you go start raising money to other people. But I think that you really need to know um, what you're doing and you know people that can help you implement and everything like that before you go start raising money. So that's the first thing that I would tell your audience. And, and I would also tell them that you don't have to go raising millions of dollars to be a private money uh, syndicator or to do private money deals. My first private money deal was for $50,000. You know, um, it was an equity deal, meaning a guy, he owned a, a half of the property with us. We owned half of it. He owned the other half of it. Um, and I think that most of your lenders, whether they know it or not, I'm sorry, whether they, most of your audiences uh, knows lenders or knows uh, even equity folks that would that have 50k to put in if they know what to look for and, and that so yeah yeah so uh let's dig into that a little bit further too so you know you know you kind of think what what does a uh, private money lender look like you know sometimes they might be in your network already sometimes they might be friends or family or coworkers. so where mm -hmm. do you tend to find those you know private investors well, I, I wouldn't, right now we've got, we've developed a big, you know, social media presence with my YouTube channel and with our, with our, our website and with the activity that we're on, 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 uh, you know, and getting to talk to great folks like you and stuff like that. So, um, I wouldn't say that's where you start in attracting people the way you start. Like I, again, in, in the book that I wrote the tier three, that's tier three, becoming a thought leader and really out broadcasting yourself and being in the middle of conversations and kind of driving the conversations. That's how you, you develop leads uh, once you've achieved that level but to get started it's really a matter of number one talking to everyone about what you do and although the someone's profession may be very uh, very um noble and something that's great that they're very proud of the next time they get asked at the dinner party or the barbecue or the picnic um or, or the whatever function it is when people say hey what do you do for a living don't don't ruin how much you do for a living. Tell me you're a real estate investor. <laughs> and so, I, right? I not that you don't lie or whatever, but you could also be you can also be a real estate investor along with that. And so, 
I find that you should broadcast that either whether it's on Facebook or to people that you meet, to relatives, to everyone that you're investing in real estate. Because a lot of people will tell you, oh, that's your hokey. You should just stick to your job or whatnot. But you know, that's not true. So you've already, you've already made the commitment to get into the business. But some people will say, you know, geez, I sure wish I could invest in real estate, but I don't have the time. And, and that's when the light should go on in your head and say, well, I have time. You know, if, if you've got capital to put to work, I have time and I can, I can help you put it to work in, in the business that I've learned, you know? Yeah, I love it. So let's kind of talk about, you know, how you've uh, approached this raising private capital that is by helping other people, right? So you're taking this approach of helping other investors who maybe don't have that time or don't have the mm -hmm. ability or the, you know, the capacity to go out and look for deals. So yep. kind of talk about that relationship you've built with these investors. Well, it's a win-win, right? In, in that I, I'm not trying to take advantage. I'm trying to give them a great rate of return on their money through a vehicle they have, they have no access to that because our, you know, the way that our retirement plans are, and structures are set up, the only real place for them to easily put their cash is into the roulette wheel they call Wall Street, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so they, they don't, uh, they have no idea what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. Mostly they don't have collateral. There's no downside. I, there's, I'm sorry, there's no down like uh, safety net underneath them. And so they, they could fall and hit rock bottom as a lot of folks that put their retirement money to that have. And so the win-win is that real estate does provide collateral. It does provide um, a different rate of return that's got nothing to do with Wall Street. That's not just at the whim of you know, folks that want to move big, you know, big chips around and you're just kind of subject to that. If they decide they want the market to crash, then they'll push a button and make that happen. And you're kind of subjected to that. But real estate is has none of that attachment. Real estate's just there. If your tenants pay your rent, you make money. If the fix and flip you know, turn uh, produces cash, you make money. And uh, if you're a lender, you also have collateral, which is something you do have no, you have no access to um, in, most, uh, in, in, in most retirement plans or mutual funds or whatever. Meaning that if I don't, if, if the borrower, me, you know, the deal provider, as I call them in the book, uh, doesn't meet the terms of the loan, then I can, me as the, the, the lender, as the cash provider can come and take the asset that's called, that's, that's pledged. And I mean, you know, fi find me a stock that'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have an answer for you there. <laughs> so when we're looking at the process of, you know, getting started raising private money from investors, you know, you've talked about first building this track record, you know, you you can't necessarily just go out, you know, take down your first, you know, 300 unit apartment complex with no money, no experience, no, no knowledge. Like you've got to have something or another. And so next, next kind of step in this process is start building that network, start building that, you know, and um, start small. And then you don't have to do a 300 unit deal. Like I said, my first deal was uh, two uh, townhomes at $50,000, a $50,000 investment um, with a, well, with a loan in there too, but the equity was 50,000 bucks. Um, and, uh, we were able to take down two little townhouses. And I mean, it's not like it made, you know, either of us millions, but it was a good place to start. And it made each of us made like 300 a month in passive income. I didn't have to put any of my cash in. He put the money in, I did the sweat and, and you can arrange sweat equity arrangements with people, uh, to get started and then start really small if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I know in your new book that I've got here, uh, raising private capital, you know, you've kind of laid out the, uh, definitions of a cash provider and a deal provider. So for the audience members who haven't yet picked up this book, which we'll urge them to later in a bit, but, uh, can you walk us through kind of those, uh, kind of those roles of each of those people, just the people maybe don't understand quite, 
quite well. Sure. With two sides of the equation, there's the well, there's the deal, okay, and then there's the money that goes in to make the deal happen. One person uh, is the person with the real estate network, with the contacts, whether they're doing it full time or not. They just they're the hustler that's going to run around and find the opportunity that you know finds the fix and flip deal, or finds the rental, or finds the you know multifamily, whatever it is, whatever the deal is, they find it. They vet it, make sure it's make sure that it's profitable, um, and they build a network of real estate agents, wholesalers, people to bring them opportunities. Um, they provide the deal. They also most likely are the operations manager of, the, of that deal. So when it closes and, and they now own it, they are the one that runs around and, and browbeats the property manager to make sure that you meet performance on finances, make, that um, you know, browbeats the contractor to make sure that they're on time, uh, does whatever it takes to make the deal profitable. That's the deal provider. And then their obligation is to find the deal and make it profitable. Uh, the cash provider is someone who puts up the cash and, and then puts up the money that wants an alternative investment, wants to put their money into something that's a little that's different than Wall Street, um, whether that's through a retirement account or their own cash or whatever. Um, and that cash provider puts their money up to go into that deal. And these two parties, uh, and it could be multiple people on both sides of the equation, but these two entities, a deal provider and a cash provider, um, are both sides of what I propose to be a very win-win transaction. And the book describes how to structure win-win. Like what a win, I mean, the book, we talk about what, a, what is a win for a cash provider and what is a win for a deal provider and how do you provide, how do you create a deal that creates win on both sides? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And let's get into that. And you know, how do, how do you structure these deals to make them a win-win for both the cash provider and the deal provider? I know there's a lot of different ways to split up deals and every deal is a little sure. different, but talking in general terms here, what are we looking at? Well, it, it's not like there's some silver bullet where I can say, well, Jacob, you've got to charge them. You know, you've got to pay 9% and that's a win for them. You know why? Because it doesn't, you've really, the, the key is, is when you talk to your cash providers or potential cash providers, it's not about the deal. And too many deal providers or people that are want to be deal providers want to lead in and talk about the deal. They don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about, you know, first of all, they, they want to vet you and make sure they can trust you. Then you want to talk about their goals and where they want to go financially, um, you know, what their retirement age is, you know, what retirement looks like for them. Do they want to move? Do they have kids going to college? Really get your head around their financial picture and in a way, uh, approach it as if you're an alternative financial planner that, that's not making a commission off every nickel they give you, you know, like, like all financial planners are, that you're going to plug them into mutual funds that pay you lots of money and commissions, that you're going to partner with them and do a deal with them. Um, but more impo most importantly, get to know what a win for them is. Um, you know, what's, what kind of return do you want? Do you want to, do you want to build up your retirement accounts? Do you want to, um, safe and secure investments? What do you want? You know? Um, and that's, that's how you find out what a win for the cash provider is, is by asking a ton of questions and, and like delaying talking about deals for a while. And until you, until you really have your head around what works for them. Yeah, and it's probably a little counterintuitive for a lot of people Absolutely. out there listening, thinking that you as the uh, deal provider are more important than the deal itself. So, you know, you almost think like, you know, the deal is the, you know, the meat of this thing, but really at the secondary. base of it, it's, it's kind of a relationship business and, you know, the investor is investing in you just as much as the deal. So the deal is just a vehicle we talk about that in the book and the, the deal is simply a vehicle to take both parties where they want to go. It's, it's not about the deal and the, and the deal provider that's going to go bursting into the room going, I'm going to make you 15% on your money is probably not going to get that money. You know, like they, they just, you, you kind of seem like a snake oil salesman at that point. It's really, a re if you build relationship, 
you can do very well in this business. If you don't and you make it about just selling and about trying to close somebody and trying to convince them that they should invest with you, you, you may walk, you might walk out with a little bit of money, but you're not going to get referrals. Yeah. Well, well, Matt, there are some people out there that have blinders on to giving equity up in their deals. You know, they think I'd rather have the whole piece of the pie than, you know, a smaller piece of, you know, any pie. So what's kind of your perspective around that? And, you know, what would you tell those people with that kind of uh, mentality? So you can build a big portfolio um, just on loans, just on doing debt deals. Okay. But you're never going to do really big deals. And I mean, you, you could do like, I know people, I got, I got one friend that owns like 400 units, but they're all single family homes, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that kind of thing. Um, and he did it using the Burr method, you know, just doing over and over and over again, put private money in the deal, fix it up, renovate it, refinance it, do it again and again and again and again. again. (laughs) Right. And you know, a guy, guy worked his tail off and he makes a ton of money because he's got two, 300 units that he owns all him, no, no equity investors. Um, that said, you look at some of the, like, so I think that you can do that if you want, there's nothing wrong with that. If you like being a hands-on guy, if you like, you know, really being able to touch it and smell it and understand it and going slow and steady Eddie, that is the pot, that is the place for you. And you can build a million dollar empire that way. But if you want to do big deals and be able to move the needle and do forced appreciation, um, and, and control really big assets, I know of no investor that owns like shopping plazas and apartment buildings or large assets or whatever, and didn't have to give some equity away. Um, because unless you're born with a silver spoon on their mouth or got really lucky and made like millions and millions and millions of dollars in cash that they're able to take deals like that down on their own, you're going to have to sell some shares of the asset to make it work. And, and everybody does it that, that I know of that's in the big, in, in the, in, in the bigger spheres. Um, so that that's the choice you got to make is do you want to be in, in the big leagues and complete compete with the big dogs and do apartment buildings and stuff like that? Or do you want to slow and steady Eddie it? There's yeah. nothing wrong with either one of those. And if you think about it, that's essentially what corporations do, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of selling equity in terms of stuff in, in the form of stocks, you know, that's what they're doing is they're selling off pieces of their company to raise money to, you know, fund, you know, research and development and new acquisitions and all these things, just like you are as an apartment deal syndicator. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So, well, Matt, what would you tell the investor out there who's, you know, just kind of looking to get started, needs that kind of motivation, you know, that to, you know, kind of overcome that fear of, you know, going out there and, you know, starting to pound the pavement and put their name out there and, you know, start drumming up interest with their network, you know, and kind of seem pretty, uh, pretty fearful. And a lot of people have trepidations, I'm sure. Yeah. So. Oh man, there's a lot to say to that. I mean, first of all, the bottom line is, man, people need to, this is the dirty little secret I'm thinking maybe of life, I guess, is that fear <laughs> doesn't go away, you know, and the people expect that, well, when I figure it out enough and when I think about it enough and when I collect enough data, I won't be afraid anymore. That's BS. It's not, you're going to continue to, you're going to just be afraid. And then eventually you've got to just decide to take action in, in spite of fear. And what I've learned is that just fear just kind of stays there. And, and I've just learned to act in spite of it. And, and that it gets less. It's just not that, you know, I'm like petrified the, the whole time I'm taking action, but you feel all uneasy, you just want to get used to it. It's kind of like a compass, you know? That's number one. Number two, um, when you're talking to investors and you start getting a little squirmy, you're feeling like, oh, geez, you know, this guy, what if he says no or whatever? Like, realize they need you. The whole conversation we had earlier about Wall Street and everything like that, they need you. There's no, they, they don't know where, they, where to go with their retirement account. They're not sure what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. You, they, they don't know. And then they need, they need something alternative. 
but they just don't know where to put it. And so if you're willing to step up and educate them on how in working with you as a cash provider can really help them build their wealth, then you know, then you can provide a win for them, right? So that's what I would say to people that are afraid is fear doesn't go away and they need you. Yeah, it's, it's a really important factor. And I think uh, going in with that mindset really, you know, put a lot of people at ease, you know, realize that, you know, you're there to help them just so much as they are to help you. So yeah, you are bringing value to the table as a, as a uh, deal provider. So yeah, good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, hey, let's talk about, you know, the motivation behind you writing your book, Raising Private Capital. Um, you know, we alluded to it earlier, but it's a new release. So t- tell us about it. Tell us what the audience members can expect when they go out and pick it up. And uh, yeah, walk, walk us through a little bit. It's everything I know, Jacob. All in the <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, it's uh, I, I've had a long relationship with Bigger Pockets, if I can mention them, um, because I'm Please, yeah, absolutely, everything like that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm grateful for my relationship with them, and um, you know, they were looking for a book on the topic, and I said, you know, I've, I've done a lot of private money stuff, so I'm happy to talk about. It. Yeah, and of course, I made the mistake of like of discounting how hard it is to write a book, right? So I was like, oh, how hard could it be? You know, I'll, I'll do it on a half day on Saturday. No problem. I'll just <laughs> and writing a book is hard, you know, but I, but I didn't realize um, how challenging it was going to be, but also rewarding too, because I was able to tell a lot of old stories and um, it was therapeutic in some way. And, and also it's a value because my hope is that the, the, the folks that read it um, can avoid some of the mistakes that I made that I talk all about in the book. And this isn't like a Matt Faircloth's like success book, like, hey, this is all the money I made and pound my chest and look at me. This is like, Hey, this is, I screwed up right here. Don't do this, you know, and then don't do this again. And this is what I learned and this is what I do now. And so it's a lot, there's some successes in there, but there's also some, some lessons that, that, that I hope that the readers implement themselves so that they can be just more successful and not have to go through what I did um, to, uh, to build the business that we have now, um, and everything. So, uh, so that's, that's what the book is. It's, it's in the, it takes you from the very beginning, assuming you've never raised private money. Um, but it's not for people that it's not only for people that have never raised private money. If you've done a bunch of private money deals, the book very quickly gets to level 202. And we start talking about SEC stuff. We talk about a lot of equity deals. We talk about apartment buildings. Uh, we talk about joint ventures on fix and flips. We talk about all kinds of complicated stuff, but it's, it's like, I start, I take you, I start you in kindergarten. I take you all the way up through high school and, and then to, and then to college and then grad school throughout the book. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so it does start in the beginning and work its way out uh, as we go. So it's really, it's for anybody that wants to build their business with other way and, and build win-win partnerships of the people's money to build it. Yeah. I think something you've opened my eyes to in this book, Matt, is, you know, when I think of raising private money, I think of like, okay, you're doing large apartment deals or large commercial buildings or whatever that might be. But, you know, like you've alluded to earlier in the show, you actually got started raising private money on smaller deals and, you know, doing joint ventures and those kinds of things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just kind of like you mentioned, you know, earlier, you know, starting with smaller deals is possible, even raising private money. And, you know, I kind of tend to think like, you know, it's like, you know, level 303, you know, doing 100 plus unit apartment buildings. But, you know, I forget. You my my hope is to dispel that there's many rumors. Sorry to, sorry to cut you off, by the way. Um, okay. but there's, there's many rumors about private money and about private capital. And most, a lot of it's about private equity too. Like, ah, oh, the SEC is going to kick your front door in if you do a private equity deal wrong or something like that. Um, but there's a lot of rumors. My hope in this book was dis- to, was to dispel a lot of the rumors around raising money and, and to give people facts because it's all research stuff. It's my experience in it. And that's also my research with attorneys and, um, and, and the facts that I've found out about how this business, how raising money really works. And so 
my, my hope is to dissolve a lot of the, you, you know, the misconceptions that are out there. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, Matt, aside from uh, your new book launch, what's been new with you and uh, what's on your plate these days in terms of investments and what does the future hold? Aside from chasing around a four-year-old and a one-year-old and, and, and trying to keep them from putting things in electrical sockets and <laughs> ice each other and stuff like that, you know, like there, there's that. And then there's, uh, uh, you know, just, just, uh, just running a, a business and doing more deals. So the, the thing is that like this, like writing a book was not what I do for a living. I also run a real estate business. So we've been, um, you know, trying to find more opportunities and working with more investors and doing more flips. And, and, you know, we did a new construction project in Philadelphia that was, that was great. A lot of fun, you know, like cool project with rooftop techs and really cool finishes. And, you know, you know, you did a good flip when you look at it and you're like, man, maybe I should buy one of these. I should live here. Like <laughs> sell my house and move. I don't want to sell this. Like, no. right. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to keep this. This is just too awesome. And so I know when I did a good flip, when I start thinking thoughts like that and, and, uh, and I've, we've done a few recently that we, uh, that I had that thought. Um, but then I didn't, and then I sold it, <laughs> good, good. Uh, but we've done, um, we've done, we're doing a few apartment building projects, smaller and bigger, you, you know, we, we do some small deals. We do big deals. We do whatever, whatever just works and whatever's going to provide a great return for our investors and, uh, that we can, you know, invest alongside them and make some money for ourselves too, in exchange for putting it all together. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Matt, it's been a great conversation. It's been awesome catching up with you, you know, uh, revisiting this new book that's launched. Uh, we're going to link this book in the show notes. Once again, it's called Raising Private Capital. But tell us a little bit about where audience members can find more about you if they want to reach out to you. And more, most importantly, where they can find this book. Sure. Well, they can do all of that at derosagroup.com because we've just revamped our website and Derosa Group. That's D-E-R-O-S-A Group. D-E-R-O-S-A-G-R-O-U-P.com is my company website. And on that website, they can pick up the book. They can check out my YouTube channel. Uh, they can uh, read some articles that my wife and I have written. And they can also, if they're interested in hearing more about what Derosa does as a company or um, to, to hear more about our investments or any of that kind of stuff. That's all available there on the website also. Um, and you can also hear about our DeRosa Gives program where we take a percentage of the revenue that we make as a company, not of, um, not of investors' capital. Once our, once our side comes back, we take a percentage of that and give it away to a different not-for-profit um, uh, that, that we pick in, on, a, on about a monthly basis and stuff like that. So, so that's called DeRosa Gives, and they can read up more about that too. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's DeRosaGroup.com. We'll link that mm -hmm. website in the show notes. Matt, as we're wrapping up here, any parting piece of advice or guidance you've got for the audience members? No, I, I think they just be mindful of fear and understand that this thing's no, no, it's nowhere near as complicated as, as the people may be making it out in their head. As long as you collect the right data and build the right team, um, I, I think that you can very easily really build your real estate business and, and help, a lot of other, help a lot of people reach their financial goals while you're doing that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Matt, Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We look forward to having you back on in the future. Any, anytime, Jacob, that you've always, you're always one of my favorite interviewers. So thank you for doing this and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Hey, you bet. Thanks, Matt. up our episode today with our guest Matt Faircloth. Hey Matt provided a ton of great value for us and he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to raising private capital. If raising private capital is something you're interested in to grow your real estate portfolio I highly recommend checking out Matt's book Raising Private Capital. The book is linked in the show notes for you to pick up if you'd like to. For more information and resources or to connect with Matt visit the DeRosa group also linked in the show notes. 
Well, hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you like what you've heard, please go over, leave a rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. And as always, for more information and resources and to connect with me, visit www.jacobayers.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.